You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. How is everyone doing this morning? I hope very well. I'm doing well. I'm excited. We're starting a brand new series this morning, a six-week series on Elijah. It's called Elijah, Journey of Fear and Faith. I'm with you this morning, obviously, and Lord willing, next week. Uh, Pastor Paul will be preaching the two after that, and then Jason will be in the pulpit for the two after that to conclude the series. So excited. We're going to be dealing with 1 Kings 17, 1-7 today, so please turn in your Bibles and get there. Um, over the course of the next few weeks, we'll be in 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19. But this morning, 1 Kings 17, 1-7. So please, would you, when you get there, stand for the reading of God's Word. It says this, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourselves by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kareth, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, O God. For who you are. Lord, thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you rule and you reign over all the world. Oh God, we put our faith in you today. Lord, I pray that as we go through your word, oh God, your spirit would be working in our hearts. Oh Lord, we invite you here to move in this place. Lord, to show us how to have greater faith in you, that we can accomplish great things for your great kingdom. Oh Lord, we need this. Oh God, you are the same God who created the heavens and the earth. You are the same God who called Abraham. Oh Lord, you are the same God who worked in the life of Elijah. You are the same God who raised Christ from the dead. You are the same God who is working in us today. And so, Lord, we thank you for that truth. Lord, would you meet with us now as we open your word, O God, and teach us things that I pray would be with us for the rest of our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are today, and our goal is this, to unlock the power of faith in our lives. This is so, so important. Faith is everything to the believer. This is a big, big deal. We want to make sure that we can have a powerful faith that can do amazing things for our Savior, that our Savior can do amazing things through us. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? It says that without faith... It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so how much more do we need to be striving for a powerful faith? How much more do we need to be striving for God working in our lives? Faith is everything. Faith is everything. It's how the Christian walk begins. 
You put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation and you enter into his um, kingdom. You enter into being a child of God and that's where faith begins. But faith doesn't end at salvation. Faith continues in your entire journey as you walk the Christian life. And I pray for us as a church that our faith would only grow, that our faith in God would continue to grow day after day, month after month, and year after year. We need this. We need this so bad. The size of our faith will be the difference between if we're going to be used mightily for God or if we're going to be used in a lesser way for God. And so we should all be striving for a powerful faith. And today, we're hoping to unlock that power so let's set the setting here of what's going on in the text, um, not just for today, but really for our series. Um, you see that Elijah steps on the scene in verse 1 of 17 here. He kind of steps out of the scene out of nowhere. Um, we've never heard of Elijah before this moment, and in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, Elijah steps onto the scene out of obscurity, and so we can take comfort because just like Elijah, we are a bunch of nobodies from nowhere, right? And so Elijah is a nobody from nowhere, and he steps onto the scene, and he pronounces this really powerful word to King Ahab. He says this incredible thing that there will be no rain. You see, Ahab was the king of Israel. He was the king of the northern kingdom. Um, of Israel, and not the southern kingdom of Judah, but the northern kingdom of Israel. And in chapter 16, right the last passage there of chapter 16, we learn in verse 30 that he was more evil than any king that had come before him. In the eyes of the Lord, he had done more evil than anyone else. The Bible tells us numerous times that Ahab caused Israel to sin. He set up false idols throughout Israel for people to worship. Worship of the Baals and idols for the Baals that people would worship them. And not only this, he married Jezebel. She was a princess, a beautiful young princess. Um, her father was the king of the Sidonites. And she came and she was beautiful and she was young, but she was crooked and she was evil and she was a pagan and she worshiped false gods and she brought her religion with her into Israel. And a lot of young men say, hey, I want to date her, she's hot. And sometimes we have to remember, well, so is hell. All right? <laughs> Run to good character, not outer beauty. But Ahab fell into this trap, and he caused Israel to sin. So Elijah steps on the scene, and he says, there will be no rain. You see, he was just quoting what God had already said. He knew the word of God, so he knew what to say to Ahab. In Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17, Moses says this about what God will do. He says, take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord has given you. You see, Elijah is calling the promise of God. God has promised he will do something, and it takes place. As God's people move away from the worship of God and into the worship of false gods, he stops the rain. He knows God's word, and he sees what's going on, and with this confidence, he goes to Ahab, perhaps in his royal court, perhaps in front of his guards. We don't know. And he says this word right to Ahab's face. I think what is really encouraging for us as we go through uh, this passage today and something that we need to be reminded of 
is that Elijah is just like us. Elijah is no more special than you or me. Elijah is just like that, uh, just like us. We learn in James chapter 5, verse 17, James is talking about the prayers of a righteous man and the power in their moving. And he says that Elijah is of like nature to us. There's nothing special about Elijah. There's nothing that sets him apart from all of us. He is a man who is sinful, who came out of um, obscurity. He's a nobody from nowhere. There's nothing special in him. The one thing that he has is faith in God. The one thing that he has is the same source of faith that we have today. As I prayed earlier, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God who called Abraham, the same God who worked in the life of Elijah, the same God who raised Christ from the dead is the same God that is working in your life today. And so we have the ability to tap into this faith. We have the ability and the resources to um, get this powerful faith in our life as well so that God can use us for mighty and amazing things. So let's get started in our text today. We want to unlock this power. We want faith like Elijah had. God, show us. We all need this. We all should want this. And so here's the first thing. To unlock the power of faith... I need to hide in the hidden life. I need to hide in the hidden life. Let's look at the text, verses 2 and 3. It says this, And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Hereth, which is east of the Jordan. Which is east of the Jordan. You would think that after Elijah doing this pretty incredible thing, Um, in front of King Ahab, saying, the Lord will not provide rain or not even dew on the grass. You, You would think that after doing this amazing thing as a prophet that he would be going town to town and teaching in every college and university of how to be a good prophet for God that we'd sign him up for a book deal and he'd be doing book deal tours and getting signing autographs and everyone would be like, Elijah, Elijah, what a great man. Well, God had different plans. We quickly learn that the plans of God are very different than the plans of man. And the plans of man are often very different than the plans of God. So he sends him to the brook Kareth. He sends him to the brook Kareth. We don't know exactly where the brook Kareth is. We kind of have an idea. The word says that it's east of the Jordan. We have a map here just so we can sort of get a little bit of context, the idea of where it is. And uh, we do have a map. There it is. And uh, this is Israel in the time of Elijah. And so you can see there, just about halfway up uh, to the uh, right-hand side, you see Kareth Brook with a question mark. So we think maybe it's around that area that's east of the Jordan, off a stream. And uh, just below it, you see Tishbe, which is um, where Elijah's from, also with a question mark. We're not exactly sure where that is. We don't know exactly where it is, but we can only imagine what it would have been like. What it would have been like. There's this quiet place. We know that it's hidden. Um, God is there hiding him from Jezebel and Ahab. We have an idea that there's no food there. The word says that, the, that God brought him food by ravens. So there's no food. It's a place of maybe not, not much vegetation. It's quiet. It's private. It's hidden. It's peaceful. It's peaceful. There's a babbling brook right there. I think there's something so calming about running water. Have you found that? Have you ever been maybe up north or just by a stream somewhere and there's just a little bit of a babbling brook or a lake that's moving past you and it's just so soothing? 
something in the human condition, something that God just created us for, I believe, that just, it's just so soothing to be near moving water. And I think that this is what it was like, very peaceful, hidden, set aside. And the mighty, and the person who is to do mighty things for God, the person who is going to stand in high places before others, first must take a low place before God. Before you're going to do great things for God, God must have you. And so he sends Elijah to the brook Hereth. We must go to the brook Hereth. Elijah, in a few chapters, we're going to see in a few weeks, he goes to Mount Carmel and calls down fire from heaven. And before he was on Mount Carmel, he needed the brook Kareth. God sent him there to be prepared. We must hide ourselves in the hidden life. That moment where it's just you and your God, that moment when there's quiet and peace, everything's turned off, you're able to just focus on who your God is. You see, I think we live in one of the loudest times in human history. Would you agree? It's just constantly noisy, isn't it? I, I bet, I mean, there's, you know, a couple hundred people here, three, four hundred people. I think that 90% of us have cell phones in our pockets right now, right? And at any moment, well, maybe you've already turned it on silent, I hope, right? But at any moment, right, someone could call, someone could text, someone could Facebook or Twitter or get a hold of you in some way, and you're instantly connected. It's so loud. I drive down McCowan every day uh, to get here, to get to work, and... And I see people walking down the street and they can't even just enjoy a little bit of uh, ambience noise. They have to have headphones on. All of them. They're listening to music. You get into your car and the radio's on. You get home and the TV's on and the kids are screaming and everyone's talking. There's always someone to talk to and there's never any quiet. And then you have your phone and you're reading. You're catching up on news. And then you're sitting in bed and you're watching Netflix or you're reading more news. And, and then you fall asleep with your phone in your hand and you wake up and your phone's there and you're back on it and you keep on going. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And I've been guilty of that far too often. But where's the quiet place? Where's the hidden life? Where's that time when it's just you and your God and nobody else? God is calling us to be strengthened by his spirit, to humble our hearts, to learn who he is and deepen our understanding of his grace and his love, that we would sit and know that he is God. This is what Elijah was called to, and this is what we are called to as well. God was calling him to the brook Kareth so that his faith could be powerful. So that his faith could be powerful. Elijah spent, we think, about three years, if not more, at the brook Kareth. In James 5.17, it says that there was no rain for three years and six months. And the majority of that time he spent at the brook. So much time to think. So much time to study, so much time to be alone with his God and be humbled by his presence. So much time for preparation for what God was going to do in his life. We all need this humble reminder. After doing something great for the Lord, after seeing fruit in our lives, and after maybe thinking for a moment that we've had great success, the Lord needs to humble us take us to a private place so we can be reminded that it's all about him. It's all because of his power, and we are but servants. Often Christians are eagerly fighting sin in their lives. I pray that all of us are trying to put sin to death in our lives, and we're praying for that, and we're seeking that, and we should. 
But so often we find ourselves falling into the same trap we always have. Right after we see a little bit of victory, we pat ourselves on the back and then knock ourselves down again. Why is this? Why is this? It's because we didn't go to the brook Kareth. It's because we didn't hide ourselves in the hidden life. We boasted to ourselves that we've done well and not given credit to God. Maybe it comes out in small group. You're in a small group and you have a group of ladies or a group of guys that have been praying for you and accountability time comes and they say, hey, how are you doing this week? How's it going? And the first response is always, oh, I'm doing really good, doing really good, seeing some sweet victory in my life. Not that that's maybe not true, not that that's not good, but does the answer ever look like this? I'm still a wretched, wretched sinner and the only good I've seen is by the mercy and the grace that the Lord has provided. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? One comes from a place of giving yourself a little bit of credit and the other one is recognizing that there's nothing apart from God that is good in our lives. One person has gone to the hidden life. One person has, has, has been humbled and reminded of who their God is and who they are. We've not gone to a low place to be reminded that a powerful faith can only come to those who go to the brook Hareth and humble themselves before God. When we see any bit of success, when we, when we start to take notice that people are um, noticing our achievements and our accomplishments, when we start to receive the praise of man, we must run quickly to the brook Hareth. We must hide our way, uh, hide ourselves away in the secret life to rid ourselves of self-reliance, rid ourselves of self-dependency, rid ourselves of pride, and fill ourselves with humility and of the Spirit of God. So here's my question. Where's your brook Hareth? Where's your brook Hareth? Where's your hiding place? Where is your hidden life? Do you have one? Where do you go to be alone with your God? I love the example that Jesus gives us throughout his ministry and throughout the Gospels. Constantly, constantly going away to be alone with his Father. I mean, you read, through, you read through Matthew, you read through Luke, and you constantly see Jesus went up to the mountains and prayed alone. Right before he did something amazing, he was in the mountains praying alone. He went off to the side. He was praying. He was praying. He, he couldn't get enough time alone with his father. People kept on interrupting him. Right before he went to the cross, in the garden, praying, even though everyone else fell asleep, he's praying, praying, constantly alone in prayer. We need to find our brook, Hareth. We need to find our hidden life. Where's yours? Maybe it's early in the morning. Hey, let's get practical, all right? Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe you need to wake up a little, little bit earlier than you already do. Half an hour, an hour, everyone's still sleeping. The house is quiet. It's still a little dark outside. Get your coffee. Praise God for coffee. You get your Bible. You find your favorite seat. You turn on your lamp, and you sit there, and you read, and you pray. And you ask that God would show you what he needs to show you. And you sit there and you're refreshed and you're humbled. And everything else seems to just waste away. Because you're there with your God. You're hiding yourself in the hidden life. Maybe it's just going out for a walk and praying alone. Maybe in the forest, maybe just around the block. Some people, they can have a hidden life where there, when there's tons of other people around. Not me. But a lot of people can. I think of Stephen in Acts 7 getting stoned and being yelled at by all these people, and yet he was able to look up and see his God. 
hidden life. It's the hidden life. The key to the hidden life is consistency and humility. The key to the hidden life is consistency and humility. No one needs to know about this time. It's just you and your God. No one else needs to know that you are so spiritual. They will see the change in your life and the Spirit of God works in your life and they'll see the change in who you are and you'll be able to minister. No one needs to know that you have a hidden life. They'll be able to see it without you telling them. Here's a hard question. Do you think you have a brook careth, but you actually don't? Do you think you have a hidden life, but you actually don't? Always letting everyone know about your devotions. Always letting everyone know about your hidden life. I see this all the time, and so it must be said. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but you see on Facebook, perhaps, someone posting a picture of their Bible with all of the verses highlighted and their coffee, and they go, just having a sweet time with the Lord right now. How many, we're guilty of that, right? Wanting to let everyone know that we're spending time with God. To me, this is just the antithesis of what it is to be in the hidden life. This is the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish trying to rid ourselves of ourselves, trying to fill ourselves with God, making it all about Him and not about us. But instead, we take 15 minutes to make sure the lighting's correct and our coffee's in the right position and, and everything's perfect to take a great Instagram photo of our devotions. Maybe that speaks to some and not others, but it's this idea of bragging about it. This happened in Jesus' time as well. It's nothing new to our culture Jesus talked about the Pharisees banging cymbals and pots when they were going to give to their God. No, it's the contrite, it's the humble in spirit, knowing that it is just you and your God and that that is enough. Not that people would say, wow, they're so spiritual. It's the exact opposite of the purpose we go to be alone with our God. It's to take the focus off of us. We need to go here and sit there for a while before we're able to minister to others. Elijah hid by the brook, we said, by three plus years with no contact with anyone. And the Lord had so much to show him. The Lord had so much to teach him, so much to humble him for and to prepare him for what he was going to be called to next. Don't miss out on your Mount Carmel experience or your usefulness for God because you've cheapened your time alone with him in the hidden life. We need to grow our faith with him alone before we can do things that are great. This happened to me just the other day, okay? We're in this together. There I am, I'm reading my word, uh, reading the word, and, and, and he just spoke to me. It was encouraging, it was rebuking, it was helpful, and it was devastating all at the same time, right? That's the Holy Spirit working. And I thought, wow, God, that's so good. I've never seen that before. And it was just so true and helpful. And my flesh creeped in, and it was like, you know who else needs to hear this? And the Lord said, no, 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 Daniel, you need to hear this. This is for you right now. Sit on this. Think about this. Meditate on this. Consider this for you. I'll deal with them in their hidden life. Let me speak to them when I need to speak to them. You are not God, Daniel. You here are a servant needing to learn, needing to be humbled, needing to grow in my faith. So what can this look like for us? What can this look like for us? Well, I have four principles here that are hopefully helpful 
for us to go to the brook Hereth, to seek the hidden life and stay there. And they're this. Hide, sit, wait, and listen. Hide, sit, wait, and listen. Hide yourself. Go to that place often where you can be fed and you can drink from the overflowing fountain of God's wisdom and grace. Know where that place is and go there often. Go there often. And when you get there, when you're hidden away, sit. Sit. Pray and read and ask and ask and ask again. Oh God, ask and ask and ask and ask and ask again. God, would you give me more of yourself? Would you teach me what I need right now? Lord, would you show me from your word? Give me wisdom. Give me insight. And then wait. Wait. Don't leave until the Lord opens your eyes and shows you what you need for that moment. Just wait. And then listen. Continue to listen to God and continue to pray. Don't speak to others. Don't move too quickly. Listen. Allow the Lord to speak to you that you would be changed, that you would grow, that your faith would be powerful. We are the ones that need this at that moment. This is the first step to unlocking the power of faith in our lives to hide ourselves in the hidden life, just like Elijah went to the brook Hereth. And the second step is this. If I want to unlock the power of the hidden life, I need to go where God goes. I need to go where God goes. To unlock the power of the hidden life, we need to go where God goes. We need to go where the blessing is. We need to go to where God has called us to be. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. It says this, You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Hereth, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God calls Elijah to the brook. This is where God was going to provide. This is where he would hide him from the evil king and from Jezebel. This is where he would have food in a time of scarcity. The key to unlocking powerful faith is to go where God goes. We can't expect to be powerfully used by God and at the same time run from what he's calling us to do. If Elijah ran from the brook, do you think that he would have provided the ravens? What do you think would have happened if he said, hey, Elijah, go to the brook Kareth, and Elijah was like, no, i got other plans, and he ran away. What do you think would have happened? I think maybe a giant fish would have come and got him and spit him up on the shores of the brook Kareth. Or maybe the ravens would have just plucked the back of his neck and carried him over there. I don't know. But God seems to have a way of putting us where he's called us. And that's where he is going to bless. Once we understand what the blessing of God truly is, we'll be on the right path to having a powerful faith. You see, the blessing of God is not more stuff. All right? The blessing of God is not a better car or a bigger home. The blessing of God is not materialistic items or even food. The blessing of God is more of himself. The faster we realize that, the faster we will be able to grow our faith. I know what you're, some of you are thinking at this point, all right? I'm trying to get out of this a little bit. That's okay, I was too. Some of you may be asking this question. Well... Uh, God, uh, I don't know about you, Daniel, but God doesn't speak to me and tell me to go to a certain place, all right? 
God doesn't speak to me and tell me to do specific things. I've never heard the audible voice of God like, uh, like Elijah did. And uh, so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. What do you mean? How am I supposed to know where to go? How am I supposed to know what I am called to? Fair question. Fair question. But let me submit to you that God has definitely called all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, he has definitely called us to specific things. All of us. And we can all know them. He has specifically called you to specific things. How about this one? His words called us to love. Have you nailed this one down yet? To love your neighbor? To love your enemies? To love the people of God? To love your husband? To love your wife? To love God himself? We're all called to make disciples. Are you fulfilling this calling in your life? God has called you specifically for this task. We're all called to be a light in the world. When people see you, do they see a light? Husbands, husbands in the room, you have some very specific callings. You're called to provide. You're called to lead your family. You're called to wash your wife in the word. You're called to lay your life down for your wife. You're called to raise your children well and to live with your wife in an understanding way, to give her honor, to protect her. Are you fulfilling these callings? Wives, you're called to respect your husband. You're called to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. You're called to love your husband and your children, to work in the home, to be kind. You're called to let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty and a gentle and quiet spirit. Are you fulfilling this calling that God has placed so specifically in your life? Children, you're called to respect and honor your parents. Are you fulfilling this calling? Are you fulfilling this calling? Young man out there who wants to do powerful things for God, young woman out there who wants to do powerful things with a great faith for God, are you doing the things that God has called you to today? Are you honoring your parents? Are you giving them the respect that God has called you to give them? We're all called to pray, to renew our minds, to be humble to be kind, to be generous, to be servants, to be compassionate, to be sober-minded, and to be seeking wisdom. God has called us all very specifically to very specific things. Are you fulfilling them? But to go where God goes, we need to move one step at a time. To go where God goes, we need to move one step at a time. We can see this in the life of Elijah. Elijah always moved one step at a time. He went to King Ahab after God called him to go say this word to King Ahab. And it wasn't until that was completed that God called him in verse 2 to the brook Kareth. And then he spent time in the brook Kareth, and it wasn't until that time was completed that we see in verse 8 that he's called to Zarephath. And it wasn't until his time in Zarephath was completed that he had accomplished the work that God had for him there that in uh, chapter 18, verse 1, we see that he's called to go back to Ahab. God moves us one step at a time. We are to, in faith, take one step at a time as God gives us the provision for today. He leads us to where we have to go, and then sometimes he remains silent. And we have to have the faith and trust that God is calling us 
and what he is calling us to is the best thing for us and for his glory. See, I think if God would um, give us his entire plan for our lives and our ministry, our heads would explode, right? It's in his kindness that he doesn't tell us absolutely everything. We can't know that far in advance. I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch today, okay? I can't think that far in advance what's going to happen in three and a half years. But God is calling me today to something. Am I going to be faithful with what God has called me to today? God calls us to trust him. To have an unwavering faith in him and to do what we are called to do. And listen, this always leads to blessing. This always leads to blessing. When, when you fulfill the calling of God on your life, it always leads to blessing. And many of us are not jumping in two feet into what God has called us to, and we're foregoing that blessing. Sometimes we don't do it because of laziness. Sometimes we don't do it because we don't believe that God is in control. Sometimes we don't jump in and do what we're called to because our faith is too small. But we must have faith in Him. God always shows Himself faithful. If you don't put your faith in God for the small things, how can you be expected to do great things for God? If you don't put your faith in God now for the small things, how can you expect to do powerful things for God later? Just look at the way that God provides for Elijah in this dire situation. He has ravens, right? This sounds crazy. He has ravens bring him bread and meat every morning and evening. So let's just put ourselves in the shoes of Elijah right now, okay? You just spoke to King Ahab, okay? All right, God comes, he's like, all right, Elijah, go to the brook Kareth. You're like, okay, sounds good, good hiding spot. Right, okay, uh, what am I gonna drink? Right, the brook's there, I got water. Great, good stuff. And then he's like, wait, what am I gonna eat? And God's like, I'm gonna have ravens bring you meat and bread. Excuse me? Sorry, say that again, God? Do you say that birds are going to bring me food every day? Do you have the faith to believe that God can do the impossible? Do you have faith like Elijah that he has control even over the birds? Do you think the thought ever crossed Elijah's mind that maybe the food wasn't coming that day? It says that it came every morning and evening, right? But it didn't give a specific time. I don't think they had watches back then but didn't give a specific time. But could you imagine um, every morning that, that breakfast comes at 8 a.m. and you're hungry in the morning and the breakfast comes at 8 a.m. every morning for like the first three months and then one day um, it doesn't come till nine, right? I've seen a few of you without your morning coffee, okay? You don't want to see me without mine. And you think that that hour was the hardest hour of his life? Waiting and seeing and wondering, did God forget about me? Where's the bird? Is he stuck in traffic? Is he coming? Is he coming? And yet God never let him down. For three years, God provided for Elijah. I can only imagine that each time he saw the faithfulness of God, as he waited there, as he was where God called him to be, and the food came every morning and every evening, and he saw the faithfulness of his God, that he only grew closer to God. He took one step of faith at a time. God would provide for him, and the Lord did not disappoint. To unlock the power of faith, we have to go where God goes. The ravens weren't feeding Elijah in Zarephath, 
The ravens weren't feeding Elijah next to King Ahab. The, the ravens weren't feeding Elijah in Tishbe if he went home. No, the ravens were feeding him at the brook Cherith. He had to go where God called him to go to receive the blessing of God. Are you where God wants you to be? Are you where God wants you to be or are you running from what God has called you to? Are you frustrated right now because you don't see the blessing of God in your life? You don't see any growth in your faith. You've, you've been stuck at this plateau of Christian mediocrity for too long and you haven't become more dependent on the Lord. Every day is the same in your faith. It's not growing. You haven't learned to trust him more and perhaps it's because you haven't learned the lesson of the place he has called you in right now. You see, God is in no rush. God is in no rush. And maybe right now you keep banging your head against the same well day after day and month after month and year after year, but God is in no rush. Until you pass this, taste, this test of faith, God is not going to move you on to the next test. God is not going to move you forward until you are at the brook Harith for the time that you need to be there for. God loves you too much to move you into something you're not ready for too soon. He's going to wait patiently. He's going to teach you. And we need to have faith. We need to believe. We need to grow. Have faith in him. Trust him. Do what you need to do to fulfill the calling on your life. If we want to see the power of faith unlocked in our lives, we need to be certain in uncertainty. Here's the third thing in our text. We need to be certain in uncertainty. To unlock this power of faith, we need to be certain in uncertainty. Look at the text, verse 7. It says, And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. After a while the brook dried up and there was no rain in the land. Sometimes, sometimes believers of Jesus Christ are called to sit next to drying brooks. Sometimes we're called to sit next to drying brooks. You see, Elijah was dependent on this brook for water. Quick science question for you, okay? What happens to human beings who don't have water? Nobody knows. This is not good. <laughs> what happens to people that don't drink water? They die. That's right. And so Elijah, alone, in this wilderness, by the brook Harith, day after day is depending on this water. And he said that there would be no rain, and you could just imagine that when he first got there, there was this babbling brook, and every day that passed by, just less and less water, less and less water. Maybe it took about three years, and over three years, he slowly sees this brook just drying up and drying up and drying up, and it goes from this babbling brook to this trickling stream. And one day it stops. Can you imagine what was going through his mind every day? The first year, the first two years, maybe it wasn't much of a problem. He noticed it, but it's a long-term issue. The food was still coming, no problem. But that brook was just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. See, we are often called to places like this. It's another test. It's another opportunity to put our faith in God because God has called you to this place of a drying brook. Maybe this drying brook right now is your marriage. 
but God has called you there to be faithful, to be faithful to him, to continue in prayer, to continue to do the things that you are called to do and trust in him. Maybe it's in witnessing. Maybe every day for the last you don't know how many years you've been witnessing to a coworker, and you've been showing them who Christ is, you've been showing them who Jesus is, and there's just no fruit, and you don't see it, and it seems like the brook is just running dry. But God has called you to be faithful, to pray, to continue to preach his word. Maybe your child has left home, and at this moment they're far from God, and God has called you to continue to pray, continue to pray, continue to love. And it just seems like there's no hope. It seems like the brook is drying right now. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. Maybe an aging parent doesn't know Christ. But God has called you to pray. 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 You don't know what will come in the end, but you are called to be faithful in what God has called you to do. You can imagine Elijah was thinking, did God forget about me? We can hope that he decidedly and quietly decided to wait for God, knowing that God did not call him to this place to sit for three years and then die. No. God called him there to be humbled, to learn, to be prepared. The temptation is to move too quickly. The temptation for us is to go to the conclusion that I need to take this into my own hands, that I need to be the one that does the work instead of continuing in what God has called us to. My God has a plan. Does yours? My God hasn't forgotten about me. Has yours? No. Our God knows exactly where we are. Our God has called us to that drying brook, and we need to sit there waiting for him, trusting that he hasn't left us. When God seems to be quiet, we need to remain faithful. How long have you waited for the Lord, trusting, knowing, and being certain that he will lead you? The world is full of uncertainties, and the one thing we can be certain is that our God loves us, that he cares for us, that he's leading us, and that he is working all things together for our good. To unlock the power of faith in our lives, we need to sit by while the brook dries up and still say, the Lord is enough. Can you say that? Can you say that in this season of drying brooks? To not fall into the temptation of self-reliance or pride. This is how God teaches us. This is how he grows our faith. Not by what we might think is best for us, not by what we might think we deserve, but by taking us to the hidden life, by reminding us to be humble, by reminding us that we need him and that our faith needs to grow. I would hate for our church to miss out on the Mount Carmel moment because we cheapened our time with the Lord. But maybe you haven't taken that first step of faith just yet. Maybe you still haven't believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can do that right now. Jesus Christ knew that we are sinners. Jesus Christ knows that right now, if you're not in him, you're sitting next to drying brooks. And there's no hope when the water runs dry. Jesus Christ is the only well that will give you everlasting water and that you will never thirst again if you drink it. Jesus Christ came knowing that we are sinners. 
He died on the cross. He took our sin upon himself and paid the penalty that we could never pay. And he put his righteousness, his goodness. He gave us forgiveness that if we would just have faith, if we would have faith in him, we can be reconciled to the Father in heaven. Do you believe? Is God calling you today to believe, to take that first step of faith? I trust if he is, you would open your heart to that, that you would believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Church, the journey's not over yet. And God wants to do so much in all of your lives, in all of our lives. Will you take the steps to having a powerful faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, O God, for your word. Lord, we thank you, O God, that you worked through men like Elijah, men who are of like nature to us, men that are no different, O God. The difference isn't the man, O God. The difference is our God. It is you, O Lord, who is able to work through anyone, anyone who is willing to have faith in you, anyone who is willing to go where you call them, O God. I pray that we would be a church on our knees, seeking our Lord, seeking our Savior for a greater faith, that we could do amazing things, not for us, O Lord, but for your glory. O God, would you work in this place? Lord, would you be with us? Would you strengthen us, O God? Lord, we need you. Lord, drive us to the brook Hereth. Drive us to the hidden life, O God, where we can meet with you and be refreshed by your Spirit. Lord, be with us now as we respond. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.